football fans, it's time to go on the record for this week's matches in pro and college football with just one catch. We're only interested in underdogs. Who can keep it close if not pull the outright upset? Time to find out. It's Three Dog Thursday. Now here's your host, TJ Reeves. Back in on another edition of the only digital radio show that is devoted exclusively to underdogs. And we have officially reached kind of the dog days of summer because most of sports, with the exception of baseball and like the Women's World Cup, is done for now until we cycle back around to the football season. Yes, we have baseball. Uh, yes, as I mentioned, the Women's World Cup and a couple of other things here or there, some big fights that will be happening this summer. But we put a lot of it to bed. In any event, though, we're not going away. We're here, and we love to mix it up. And, oh, are we going to have some fun with Internet social media superstar Kevin Rogers of VegasInsider.com. Always love his uh, insight. He is back with me. So last week... Uh, We could not coordinate because I was in the mountains, Kevin, of North Georgia, just right below the North Carolina border. I went ahead and popped a show out just because of what happened with the St. Louis Blues winning Game 7 of the Stanley Cup Finals in Boston because of the controversy with the women's World Cup soccer team, the U.S. women's national team, trying to score 57 goals on a beaten opponent, Thailand. So I went ahead and put a show out in your absence. We We couldn't coordinate you and I being together. Uh, because of all this and spotty internet. But uh, I'm glad to have you back. We'll mix it up a little bit here today. We'll talk some NBA draft and much more. How you feeling, by the way? You doing all right? Um, I was fine when I woke up this morning, and then I decided to put a tweet up, and all of a sudden now I'm an idiot. So uh, still early, you know? Welcome to social media, my friend. All right, so let's dive right in with this. You tweeted about Max Scherzer, the Washington Nationals uh, pitcher, who, if the fans are not aware of this, suffered an injury while, well, I'll let you explain it more, but he was essentially practicing bunting, which is something that National League pitchers frequently are asked to do, hurt himself, ended up breaking his own nose uh, during a, a batting practice, bunting practice simulation. Well, he went out and pitched a great game on Wednesday, and so you tweeted about this, so go ahead and pick it up from there. Okay, well, first of all, do you have the tweet in front of you? I do. you have, like, the first... Okay, you can read it. You can read what I said, and then I'll explain it. Yes, so you can find this tweet at V.I. Rogers. So Thursday morning, my man, senior handicapper Vegas Insider, says, I respect Max Scherzer going out there and dominating with a broken nose, period. But aren't we forgetting this was a self-inflicted injury, question mark? It's not like someone drilled him in the face and he came back. He did it to himself, period. And when I read that, I said, hey, I agree. I mean, it's it's not as if uh, someone else injured him. It's not, it's not as if uh, something freak uh, here happened. Uh, it is something that he caused. He did. I agreed with your take. The problem is there are a bunch of people that disagreed, and one of them prominently, and I, I happen to like this guy and have, have dealt with him a little bit, Trey Wingo of ESPN does a great job on their NFL coverage and is now part of the Wingo Golick or the Golick and Wingo, I can't ever get it straight, morning radio show nationally on ESPN Radio and all their platforms. He saw the tweet, and he put, we found today's worst take. And so it has kind of taken on a life from there. So with all that said, go ahead, Kevin Rogers. You have the floor on Three Dog Thursday. Thank you. Well, first of all, uh, 
I mean, for someone like Trey Wingo to even see that or retweet it, I'm kind of like, okay, I'm not insulted. I mean, you're the morning host in ESPN radio, so I can't really, you know, I'm not going to fight you on it. But here's where I'm coming from on this whole thing. If you saw the tape of Max Scherzer in batting practice two days ago, he was, it looked like he was kind of screwing around during batting practice, which is fine. If nothing happened, nothing happened, and we all move on. It makes no difference. But he was practicing bunting, and he was holding the bat like he wouldn't hold a bat while bunting. It's kind of like, oh, they put it out there. And unfortunately, the perfect angle, it hit off his bat and then struck him in the nose. I'm sure it hurt. He broke his nose. I am not taking that away. I am not making this out to be like, oh, you're such a whip. I'm sure it hurt. Max Scherzer, to me, is one of the top two or three, maybe if not the top, one of the top two or three pitchers in all of baseball. I don't have to explain his resume. I know what he is and what he can do. All right? With all of that being said, still, I was re- why I put this tweet out there, TJ, there's a reason. I didn't just put this out there. It's because. I'm looking through my Twitter feed this morning, and people are putting out the pictures of Max Scherzer with the black eye, you know, and and they were almost making him out to be like this heroic figure for doing what he did against the Phillies. And he's pitched really well up late, and it was a great performance. But I wonder if you ask him, because he told Dave Martinez, the manager of the Nationals, I'm going to pitch tomorrow night. Like, I'm going to pitch in spite of this. That I wonder if, you know, he's like, I'm a little embarrassed by this. Like, I'm not going to not pitch because of this. And what he did was amazing. But at the same time, everyone's big us to be a hero. Like, you hurt yourself. Like, no one drilled you in the right. head or you suffered any you didn't kind of take, You didn't take a... Like, if you didn't do this... Well, like for example, you didn't, you didn't take this. a you didn't take a line drive from the batter off the face. You didn't exactly. you, you know you didn't you didn't suffer a line drive off another body part like your knee, your arm, and, and overcome it. Um, and I, I think everybody gets the gist of of what you were meaning. I know Scherzer said after the game that hey, it looks worse than it is. It is a fractured nose. He's got two black eyes. His right eye looks like he got popped by Mike Tyson back in the day. But uh, your your point is the larger point, which is when you do something to yourself. And you can go through different incidents in sports where where people and players have, have self-inflicted. I know you know this, but in the Tampa Bay market uh, here, Blake Snell is the outstanding left-handed young pitcher for the Tampa Bay Rays. Earlier this season, he was moving furniture at his house and dropped a piece of granite furniture on his toe and broke his toe. He ended up missing one start, but then came back to pitch. And your point, I believe, is the same, which is, okay, it's great, you came back, but you self-inflicted here. You did this to yourself, and so that should be pointed out while we laud the comeback. Well, a couple things on that. If Blake Snell broke his toe doing what he did and came back the next start and was dominant, I'm like, you know, oh, he over... No, 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 he should never have been hurt in the first place on something like that. That's what it is, and... You know, I was getting, you know, people responding to me on Twitter. Well, what about Kevin Durant? Is that self-inflicted injury? Like, no, he played in the game and got hurt. It's not the same thing. Right. If you're someone, and we've seen it before in football, you've seen it, I've seen it. Dan Marino tore his Achilles tendon, nobody touched him. That's not a self-inflicted injury. Like, don't be stupid, okay? That's something that he was playing in a game and got hurt. You know, guys tear their ACLs with no one touching them. 
that's in a game. I'm saying when it's a non-game situation, that's what the point is. You know, I'm getting other ones say, well, an injury is an injury. Like, no, it's not. It's not the same thing. If you get hurt, if, if let's just say, okay, I'm, I'm making a stretch comparison here. You know, if let's just say you got into a brawl in a bar and somebody knocked you out and yeah. the next night you started, yeah. you threw a drink on someone started, I'm not going to applaud you for that. Like, I'm just not. <laughs> you started the fight. Well, I mean, I'm thinking of a couple of other ones uh, that have come to mind. I mean, the, the Buccaneers, I can relate this, had an outstanding kicker named Connor Barth who kicked many years in the NFL in and around for Tampa Bay and after. He tore his Achilles in a charity pickup basketball game one summer a few years ago. By the way, uh, the coach, the new coach of... Right. The, the new coach of the Packers, Matt LaFleur, uh, Kevin, did the same thing. He tore his Achilles playing pickup basketball. Now, he's not a player. He's a coach. Again, that is self-inflicted in a sport, not your sport, in the offseason. We've seen other guys uh, you know, have, have uh, a wreck on their motorcycle that breaks their leg. That happened a couple of different times. Remember, there was a famous uh, baseball player for the Atlanta Braves in the 90s named Ron Gant, who's still knocking around in Atlanta doing broadcasting. He was a very popular player, home run hitter. He broke his leg in a motorcycle accident, his own one-person motorcycle accident. And, he, and I think he got his contract voided. I'll have to look it up. Because he was doing something he wasn't supposed to be doing, which was riding a motorcycle in the offseason dangerously and hurt himself and broke his own leg. So uh, this is far from the only time that something like this has happened. I agree with your point. There, there are a lot of people that love to pile on on Twitter but, uh, or on social media. But I think if you asked Max Scherzer deep down here, do you, ag- do you regret fooling around uh, he, the answer's got to be yes. I, I regret breaking my own nose. And it, it, by the way, is something that affects how you sleep, how you breathe, how you sleep. can affect you in a lot of different ways, and it's self-inflicted. I think he would admit it, Kevin. Yeah, so I'm saying. It's, all I'm saying is let's not make him out to be a hero, and it's because of who he is, because he is an elite pitcher. If this was someone else, no one would really pay attention to it. It's because he's a Cy Young winner, he's elite, he is one of the best pitchers in all of baseball. But, you know, that, that's where I just go with after the game. You know, if you were to say, oh, you know, how'd you feel? Like, you know what? I'm embarrassed. Like, I, you know, I pitched well. I'm embarrassed of how this happened. And you know what? That's fine. That's totally fine if that's the case. I think he would probably say that. But it's when everyone else, when they're trying to, and I guess I was more ripping other people, not really him. Right. That's where I think people are, are kind of missing the point. I'm not. Ripping him from the standpoint of, I, I just look at it as he probably admits that, okay, I was screwing around and I probably shouldn't have done it. In retrospect, I wish this didn't happen. And you can't say all injuries, that's a stupid thing to say. Like, Kevin Durant, I wish I didn't play. Well, I guess that's terrible with Kevin Durant because he knows the money he lost. But, you know, the bigger point is when people are putting it out there, then I guess, TJ, the narrative yeah. of, you know, this is unbelievable what he did. And it's like, I don't look at it that way. I just don't see it like unbelievable when it's something like you did to yourself. That's all I'm saying. Yep. I'm not ripping him as a person or as an athlete. I'm just saying the other people, it's like calm down. 
this. That's where I was going with it. I'm with you. Well, you know I host the Movies Podcast, and you come on from time to time. We've seen that. So this is no Billy Chapel in For Love of the Game, Kevin Costner's character who suffers the injury with the hacksaw in the offseason at the Montana or the Wyoming or whatever ranch and is bleeding everywhere, and Kelly Preston, as his girlfriend Jane, has to get him to the hospital, and he, he his career could have possibly been over, but he overcomes it in the movie and throws the perfect game. That, too, is self-inflicted by Billy Chapel, by Kevin Costner in the movie. We bring it back to our love of movies uh, as well. All right. So uh, I think we've thoroughly covered that part. Let's go over to the NBA. The Raptors knock out the Golden State Warriors. We've not talked to you since the Durant re-injury. Uh, look, uh, when that happened, uh, I think everybody was horrified in Game 5. Uh, but by the same token, I said in your absence last week, this was Kevin Durant's decision. You can say whatever you want about team doctors and trainers, his second opinion, his own doctors, but ultimately it was up to Durant as to whether he wanted to try it and wanted to risk it. And you and I were talking for two or three weeks. How, I mean, he can't run. How is he going to be out there and be effective? Durant took the risk. That was my take. So so he's out. He's injured. Toronto ends up winning the championship. First title for Canada in five decades in anything. Uh, Kevin, give me a couple thoughts on wrapping the NBA season with Toronto's win over Golden State. Obviously a great job by the Raptors. You know, they went to Golden State three times and beat the Warriors there. I mean, nobody beats the Warriors three times in a series at Oracle, much less three times in a series, much less three times uh, at Oracle, and they shut down Oracle pretty much uh, saying, hey, we're the champions. Now you can go to San Francisco and go to your new arena without two of your stars. I, I don't want to blame Kevin Durant. I really don't because – he was really in a lose-lose situation, I think, here. That if he doesn't suit up for Game 5 in Toronto and they end up losing that game and that was it, he would just get ripped. He's, he's a wimp. He's soft, all this other stuff. All he cared about was the money, you know. And then he goes out and he plays and he tears Achilles tendon. So now he's going to miss the year that he misses, you know, the opportunity, you know, if he wanted to go to the Knicks or, you know, whatever his decision was, that now he loses a year because I really believe he was forced to go out there. Not forced from Steve Kerr or from anybody else, but I think the public pressure of that's what circumstances. Him out there. Circumstances. But you yeah. agree you agree yeah. with me, it's ultimately his decision. I mean it's he's a guy that's won titles, he's won the league MVP. He could have very easily said what you said, which is I'm not healthy enough to play here. It, this this could be worse. Now there is somewhat of an argument that he was apparently being told you can't do more damage to this and maybe that weighed heavily on him that okay when that's out that I couldn't have damaged it more and I didn't try to play that looks bad for me but ultimately the decision is his you agree with me on that one they didn't they didn't yeah, force yeah. him yeah no one forced him it also is a circumstance you better believe Golden State's up three to one that guy's not playing that guy is not out there if they're up three to one looking to close if they're up three to two they are not putting him out there they were down three to one. They were they hit the desperation button, and they needed to do something to get because Steph Curry can't do it all by himself, and Clay Thompson was banged up, and obviously we saw what happened wow. in six, and now he's yep. gone for the year. Yep. So I just think that they realized, okay, we need everything possible, so you got to come back here, and he played well. The worst part is that he went out there and scored eleven points in the first quarter. Like he was out there, like nothing happened. 
Yep. And well. he just he had a very unfortunate injury. It's very unfortunate, but yes, he chose to go out there. But I think the peer pressure got to him, and the circumstance of them down three to one that he played. They're up three to one. That guy is not shooting up the rest of the series. All right, a few more minutes uh, here with Kevin. We've got, we're going to talk more draft. Deshaun Tate will be here from Atlanta, from 92.9 The Game in Atlanta, talking NBA draft. The Hawks have three picks in the top 20 of this draft. They're trying to move up. It is NBA draft night on Three Dog Thursday at the time we're talking. If you're hearing the show after that, you already know what did or didn't happen with the draft. But Deshaun Tate will be here to talk more specifically about the draft. I want to ask you, before we pause and hear from Deshaun, the Lakers acquire Anthony Davis. We've not had a chance to talk since that happened, as it happened earlier, um, late last week, early or earlier this week. So Anthony Davis leaving the Pelicans, big man, one year left on his deal, goes to L.A. L.A. gives up not one, not two, but three quality players and three number one picks. Kevin, your thoughts on the trade? Um, I think that both teams kind of had to do it, you know, Anthony Davis wasn't happy in New Orleans. They're getting Zion Williamson. I don't know if he's going to replace Anthony Davis necessarily. I don't. We don't know what kind of NBA player he's going to be, but obviously he's going to make an impact. And I think the Pelicans wanted to move on from him, from Anthony Davis, and the Lakers saw that they can't win with LeBron or a bunch of guys. They need another superstar. I don't know if they're going to get another player like a Kemba Walker or – you know, someone else there to, to help things out. I mean, look, the biggest the, the biggest move made by the Lakers wasn't a move by them. It was Kevin Durant and Clay Thompson getting hurt because now the Lakers have a shot. Right. Now all of a sudden, because look, Kevin Durant could re-sign with Golden State. I mean, assuming he wasn't hurt, he could have re-signed there, and then it would have been a couple more years of this where Golden State keeps dominating. But instead, without those two guys out, and the Warriors looking like a mid-tier playoff team that all of a sudden, and I'm not putting the Lakers the champions. I'm not doing that because they are not there yet. But Anthony Davis, that helps things out. You get a few more pieces in there. Then all of a sudden, now the Lakers, assuming LeBron stays healthy, that this is a team that can definitely go to the finals. And Houston's got all their issues with Chris Paul. So the way, it's breaking right for the Lakers when it looked like the ship was sinking for them, but as far as, you know, the Lakers had to make the move because they were going nowhere with what they had. Did and they New give Orleans up too much? Too. Did the Lakers give up too um, much with no, Ball and Ingram and Hart and three no. number ones? Well, absolutely not, because I think Brandon Ingram is damaged goods. Lonzo Ball is, is, is always hurt, and he, he's a good defender, okay point guard, not great uh, shooter. Josh Hart's a role player. You know, with the, with, the, with the number one picks, this isn't the NFL. Like, I know it sounds crazy because the Lakers had the fourth pick and now New Orleans is the first and fourth pick in the draft. We know they're getting Zion number one. But, like, you don't know how these guys are going to turn out. And, and right. I always go back to this, that you can have the number two, number three, number four picks overall in the draft. It means nothing. Nobody knew who Giannis Antetokounmpo was. At a great so knew he was, he was a mid-first-round pick for the Bucks, and he's And he is an MVP candidate. Nobody knew who Damian Lillard was. I certainly didn't know who he was at a Weber State. I didn't know C.J. McCollum. I didn't know who these guys were. I mean, you saw Steph Curry in the tournament with Davidson. He still wasn't a top-five pick. Like, so you can get these guys. It just depends on where you – you just have to draft well. It's not about really where you are. Just draft well where you're at. And we talk about that in the NFL all the time. 
the same thing in the NBA. Just draft well. The Warriors have three stars in their team that were not drafted in the top five. That is correct. Okay, three superstars. So, you know, where you pick, I know it sounds stupid to say, well, if, you know, if it matters where you pick, well, sometimes draft better. And, you know, Tom Brady is an exception. That's a ridiculous thing. So, well, Tom Brady, well, that's, that's a once-in-a-lifetime thing. But there are plenty of guys that go in the middle of the first round or 10 or 11 or 12 in the first round that become Hall of Famers. So, and there are guys in the top five that become bums. So it all kind of depends on who you draft. Well put on that. Let's talk more about the draft as we continue on Three Dog Thursday. Deshaun Tate is straight ahead. Kevin is back with me after that with a couple of more thoughts on the 2019 NBA draft. Stay with us. Draft night in the NBA. And again, full disclaimer, you may be listening to us after the draft has concluded. And either my next guest sounds really smart or I sound really stupid by what I'm asking and what we're talking about. Let's bring in from 92.9 The Game, the FM sports radio station in Atlanta. Oh, you think they might have a vested interest in the draft on this Thursday night? Uh, for the Atlanta Hawks, I would think so. Deshaun Tate of of Tate's Takes does a great job. I love his insight throughout the college basketball season and even in the offseason, the draft process, and much more. He's back with me as part of Three Dog Thursday. Happy summer here. Happy June that we have all of this uh, unfolding. Good to be back with you, and it's about to be here. I know you're excited with the NBA draft about to take place. I am, indeed. Thank you so much, uh, TJ, for having me. And as you can only imagine, uh, that, you know, less than, uh, you know, just hours away from the NBA draft, I'm like a kid on Christmas Day. <laughs> uh, I'm, just, I'm just overly stoked. I'm excited. I'm ready to get this thing going, man. It's the NBA draft. And if there's no other time that, you know, I, I'm excited outside of, uh, you know, the, the college basketball season in regards to, selection sunday this this would be the time i know that you posted on social media and i saw it and i knew about this notebook already but my man has got a notebook with handwritten legibly (laughs) handwritten notes on player after player after player and a lot of different research so you're going to get some great knowledge here over the next few minutes about what he thinks and why and he's been covering uh the college basketball season throughout uh, kind of based in the cross-section of the SEC and the ACC there in Atlanta in particular. So a lot to get to. So uh, Kevin Rogers and I have already talked about the trade involving Anthony Davis going to the Lakers and the Lakers giving up a boatload in return, including several number one picks to you. What do you make of the trade? Did the Pelicans uh, fleece the Lakers here? Uh, do you think what what do you think of this deal that was made by the Pelicans? Well, I think the Pelicans got the better of the deal. Honestly, I really do, and for not any other reason, because of the fact that you know they got a, a number two draft pick in Brandon Ingram, a number two draft pick uh, in, in in Lonzo Ball, and also a national champion, and you know for what it's worth, summer league MVP uh, in Josh Hart. So. You know, considering all those things with some picks to go along with it, it kind of seems like a no-brainer. And that's not to take anything away from Anthony Davis, who I think is a phenomenal, phenomenal basketball player, obviously, on both ends of the of the ball. Uh, but, you know, in my personal and humble opinion, a little bit too inconsistent for me personally in terms of 
uh, from the perspective of on the IR, on the injury list sometimes. And, uh, but nevertheless, you know, that there, there had to be a move made some way, somehow. And if the Pelicans did not make it, then they were going to lose out, you know, all the way around uh, with not having a- anything for Anthony Davis. So I think that it's a win-win situation for them. Uh, and in the event, you know, obviously the Lakers, this is their guy. This is who they wanted. And they went and got him. And, you know, the Pelicans got who they wanted outside of Kyle Kuzma, which I think is perfectly fine with them. And, and, and in, in the exchange, got a number four pick for it so they can maybe go and get someone else to pair along with the other young crop of guys that they uh, had in mind and was ideal for their organization as well. So it's a win-win for both. Uh, but I think that this puts the pressure on the Los Angeles Lakers a little bit more, obviously, because how far up in age LeBron James is and that particular market, one of the best markets in the country. Obviously, I don't have to explain that to you in all of sports. Uh, it's La La Land. You know, it's showtime at its best. So to try and bring that back with all the turmoil that they've had going on, I think that this is a positive. I think that this is a plus for them and all the parties involved. All right. So that's the Lakers move. Uh, that's that's being made and, and I think a lot of people were wowed by how many draft picks they gave up as well as those players uh, so another trade was made uh, that came out on Wednesday afternoon that the Memphis Grizzlies have dealt away their 12-year veteran all-star point guard Mike Conley and deal him to the Utah Jazz here we go again with three players and a number one pick in Thursday night's draft what do you make of that trade Deshaun Tate Again, I, I feel like it's a tad bit, you know, lopsided because of the fact that, you know, the Utah Jazz had to take on, uh, you know, the, uh, all the boatload of money of one Michael uh, Conley Jr., where, you know, at one point, I think it was, what, $159 million or something like that. And, of course, they're not taking on all of that. At one point, he's the highest-paid player in the whole NBA, as crazy as that is to imagine uh, thinking and saying that. But... Um, you know, you're giving up a, a player in, in arguably the uh, one of the better uh, perimeter on-ball defenders, if you will, in a Jay Crowder. And, you know, you're giving up a Grayson Allen uh, who maybe isn't really a whole lot to sneeze at. Um, but, you know, you're, you're giving up some other things in addition to that. And so, you know, when you're looking at it from that standpoint, including some picks, I think the picks is the things that, you know, ultimately – uh, put you over, you know, put you over the top. And so, you know, I, I got to kind of think uh, that the opposition is kind of getting the, the betterment of the deal, being the Memphis Grizzlies. And it's it's, pre- it's pretty much, and in, in, in the consensus would agree, that it's fairly obvious that this is going to equate in a sure deal for the Memphis Grizzlies to take uh, a, a John Morant uh, and just hours away at the NBA draft. And so it all kind of worked out for them. And I'm not sure that this is the most ideal situation uh, for the Utah Jazz, let alone Ricky Rubio in this position, where they bring in another point guard. We probably felt like he was the next man up. Uh, but all things being considered, we're talking about a Utah Jazz team that has made the uh, the NBA playoffs. And I think each of the last probably close to about 10 years or something right around that range. So, Considering all those things, you almost got to assume that everybody is happy with what they've done. I just, on a personal level, feel that the Memphis Grizzlies, with their youth, 
uh, have certainly got the best of that in addition to adding Mike Conley Jr., who's a veteran in this league. That's the voice of Deshaun Tate with us for a few more minutes here as part of Three Dog Thursday in the podcast talking NBA draft, which will unfold uh, coming up on Thursday night. So going to be very interesting to watch what happens. We pretty much believe Zion Williamson won to New Orleans. You just articulated John Morant, the guard for Murray State that led them to the NCAA tournament, who's a fantastic player. Uh, again, say something. Uh, there's a lot of fans probably listening to us that only knew him from seeing him in the NCAA tournament. You've watched him a bunch over the course of the last couple of years. Give me 30 seconds on how you believe John Morant translates to the NBA, by the way, and how soon he can make an impact. Well, I'll be honest with you. I, I'm not the big, bad John Morant you know, advocate or fan uh, in this draft, but I will say enough to say that it's very, very hard to – deny a guy who uh, has the athletic ability uh, of his and, uh, you know, led the team in Murray State the way that he did and kind of came from, you know, the ground up. You know, this is a guy that took the stairs all the way from the basement. And so when you're looking at athletic ability and not only the ability to score, uh, but in addition to that, you know, a, a ball handler and a guy who can distribute and get other guys involved and we're not just talking about any guys we're talking about guys on like OVC conferences and things like of that nature Ohio Valley you know those type of deals so you know when you can make those guys look that much better you can only imagine what he can do on the next level at a bigger stage and so when it comes down to a point and maybe such a bad draft as we can pretty much you know all agree to uh in the same token this is a guy who uh, you know, can can maybe be a difference maker. I think that it's a pretty good fit for him uh, in Memphis uh, with everything that he's able to bring to the table. But he's certainly worked his way all the way up to this point. And anytime you have a conversation about a guy that's able to jump a guy, another guy who was the number one uh, guy coming in to college from the high school level in the R.J. Barrett, when you jump him and considering all the things that he did at Duke this year with or without Zion Williamson, He's got to be a pretty special talent, and that I think he is. All right. Well, you mentioned R.J. Barrett. The the reports are out there, who knows, that the Knicks love him to death, and he would probably be the third pick. Very interesting in your market that the Hawks, who own the eighth pick and the tenth pick, have been trying. They've been knocking on that door for the Knicks or maybe even for the Pelicans at four, or for the Cavaliers at five, trying to jump into that top five, but particularly at three maybe. what What's going on here? Do you think New York, speculate with me, hangs on to it at three and takes Barrett? Do they entertain one more offer maybe from the Hawks on Thursday night and deal the pick or someone else? What do you think? Speculate real quick. There is a possibility that they could entertain it, but I think for the most part that that deal is pretty much done. I really, truly do believe that in my heart. And, you know, in addition to that, I I don't think that the, according to my sources, who fingers crossed, both fingers, uh, truly believe uh, in all caps that have texted me and said, you know what, R.J. Barrett, mark my words in all caps, exclamation points, will R.J. Barrett will not be in a Hawks uniform. And in addition to that, you know, I think that the number eight and number 10 pick was just not enough for New York to sacrifice their number three pick. Uh, and, and, you know, with the Atlanta Hawks being in that position, of course, they've got potentially some other, you know, uh, trade partners, like you said before, 
Uh, maybe the Pelicans at four, maybe the Cavs at five, and I think at the Well, let me interject. Point. You've got those sources. Sure. Who do they really want? If they know they can't get Barrett, what what do you believe on who do they really want, Atlanta, if they're trying to jump into the top five and can make it happen, or even even up from eight, let's say, to six or five? Who do they really want, Atlanta? Speculate, and what do you know? Well, if, and to me, I think that it's a no-brainer. I think that we've been talking about this thing since January. I've been speaking it. I think that it's Cam Reddish out of Duke. When you look at his ability to, uh, you know, get to the basket of athleticism, his tools, his wingspan, all of these different things, uh, and shoot the basketball from the perimeter, I think is probably the one of the bigger things and something that this team needs uh, outside of their only true perimeter shooters being Trey Young and Kevin Herter. Right. Uh, I think that he is the consensus of being the guy that they really want that they've had their eyes on for quite some time at a 1A. I think 1B would certainly be Jared Culver in that position, but I think that Cam Reddish is the guy for them. But they can't, more than likely, they can't get Cam Reddish at 8. They're going to have to move up to get him, right? Or go to the backup well, plan if a, they can't move well, up, right? Well, that is a strong possibility, but as you can see, guys like Darius Garland as well as Kobe White has been moving up. So outside of the top three, if you just look at it, you know, number four, uh, maybe a Jared Culver or maybe a, you know, a, a, a DeAndre Hunter or something like that. If you find a way in those next couple picks for, uh, for the two point guards and Kobe White as well as uh, a, a Darius Garland to go before them, I think that's right around the time where you could potentially see uh, a Cam Reddish fall to eight. Now the problem for the Atlanta Hawks is if all three of those wings after dealing Torian Prince to the Nets in exchange for the number 17 pick where you don't have the cover, you don't have the reddish, you don't have uh, the, 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 uh, you don't have the hunter right there. Right. That's where there could be some problems made if they can't find a trade partner. I like to think that they can when you got three first round picks, but in the event you can't, I think that's where they're, you know, they're going to have some issues. And of course you and I and many others were around, uh, DeAndre Hunter hitting those big shots for Virginia in the national championship win. Of course, Jarrett Culver was fantastic, and in that title game, going toe to toe with the Cavaliers for Texas Tech. Uh, so we got to see those guys. Now we get to see their NBA dreams become a reality. Couple minutes left with Deshaun Tate again. He'll be on the FM Sports Radio Station 92.9 The Game in Atlanta as a big part of their draft coverage all night on Thursday night. If you're hearing us after that on Three Dog Thursday, then obviously you've been hearing some of his wisdom on what might or might not happen. Give me a name along those lines that you have not mentioned yet, but you're very intrigued by somebody for whatever reason that you like that maybe doesn't go in the top three or the top five. Give me a name, please, Deshaun Tate. There's a few of them. I think one of them out of Kentucky is Keldon Johnson. I can remember all the way back to the Champions Classic where Duke hung 118 points on them and we're up by about 40 points. Everybody on that Kentucky team looked pretty much, you know, defeated mentally. Uh, but Keldon Johnson was the only guy still playing, and that didn't just happen in that game. That happened for the duration of the remainder of the regular season outside of Ashton Higgins, who came on late. I like to think that Keldon Johnson is something in the mode of being just as good, if not better, as another former Kentucky player in Jamal Murray. I think another one, when you have two guys that are boom or bust in this draft and arguably the most intriguing guys, Bo Bo out of Oregon, Trust me, I have no idea how he dropped from 234 pounds after a foot injury to 208 pounds when he already looked 208 when he was at 234. <laughs> However, uh, from a standpoint of his, his ability, you know, to 
and able to shoot the basketball from the perimeter and kind of has some of that for uh, a Kristaps Porzingis type of game with his, with his length. He has an American type game, which is some a little bit different from his ethnic background that you were used to uh, being able to see. He's one of them. Another one I think is Kevin Porter Jr. out of USC, who I think has some uh, some maturity issues a little bit, but he's certainly an athlete and a straight up good really good basketball player interesting his approach to the game is a little bit questionable for me but i think that you certainly cannot deny his talent uh cam johnson from from north carolina is one of the better perimeter shooters as a big stretch four typical type uh stretch four kind of guy he's another one of those guys uh you have a couple more other ones just two other ones uh and daniel gafford from arkansas who's much of a bruiser on the inside that i think can bring some contribution uh, up front for a lot of different organizations. Kind of reminds me of Tobias Gibson uh, and Nicholas Claxton, Claxton, perhaps from Georgia. I mean, he's 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 still a little bit raw and still got some things to figure out, but he can certainly play both sides of the basketball, being a rim protector, maybe stretch it out to the three point line a little bit as more of a traditional stretch forward, kind of like a Chris Bosh. So that's just a few. I asked for one, and look at that. It is like Christmas morning. I got all those presents from Deshaun Tate. He'll be talking about all these different guys uh, on the coverage again on 92.9 The Game, the FM Sports Radio Station in Atlanta. Promote away on where else we can hear you, my friend, and how, and, and on social media and otherwise. Go ahead. Sure thing. 92.9thegame.com is where you can find a lot of my material. We got college basketball scoops. Uh, in addition to that, uh, on the Instagram as well as uh, on uh, on Twitter at Tate's Take Sports T A T E S T A K E Sports, have a really awesome podcast going with a colleague of mine, really great guy who's very knowledgeable and resourceful, named Gordon Robinson. We're doing an all 110 percent, the very best content of the NBA Draft, NBA Summer League, as well as NBA Free Agency called Hitting the Hardwood. You can find that on 929thegame.com or, and or follow it uh, on Twitter at HitHardwood929. That is at H-I-T-H-A-R-D-W-O-D-929. Okay, very good on the podcast and the coverage. We'll see what the Hawks do. Can they move up into the top five? Uh, we'll see what the Knicks do. It's always an adventure. Will the Knicks trade that pick or make that pick? Uh, New Orleans intriguing, too, now with the fourth pick uh, in the trade with the Lakers. Do they hang on to that? Could get very interesting middle middle of the top ten here in this NBA draft. We'll see what happens. And again, Deshaun Tate will be all over it. My friend, thank you. I always love the opportunity, even in June, to talk some hoops and to talk some NBA draft with my man Tate's takes. Thank you. June Madness, DJ June Madness. Thank you. All right, he's back in. He's been checking his Twitter mentions one more time. Kevin Rogers still running probably about 2-1 to one against on the Max Scherzer treat. I got your back, though. Scherzer injured himself, and, th- and that's the point you were making, and that's an undeniable point, by the way. Uh, no matter if Trey, if Trey Wingo, the Pope, Donald Trump, or anybody else wants to, <laughs> wants to weigh in, they can't get around the fact he did do it to himself, which is what you were making mention of. So uh, Deshaun Tate was just talking a lot of draft with us where he thought some some players might or might not go. So we believe this is Zion Williamson uh, on Thursday night 
to the Pelicans. We're taping in advance of the draft. John Morant probably second to the to the Memphis Grizzlies. Quick opinion for from you. They can have anybody else besides Zion. Is John Morant the right pick for Memphis? And do you think he will end up being good? Speculate for me for the for Memphis. Well, I think obviously the Mike Conley trade from Memphis to Utah kind of solidified John Morant going to the Grizzlies. That. That was the last piece the Grizzlies had of that that grind city with Zach Randolph and Marcus Saul right. and Tony Allen by that team that went to the playoffs for a few years that grinded out team that scored eighty or ninety points a game and Mike Conley who was I'll be honest when he came out of Ohio State I didn't think much of him he's turned into a terrific point guard it's just he's in the West you know opposite all these other top point guards so he doesn't make All Star teams and it's hard to rank him above those guys, but he's still a very good point guard. He got a ridiculous contract of like $25 million a year, and I think the Grizzlies say, you know what, we just need to start all over again. And they have a new head coach, and let's just start, and John Morant's going to be our guy. You saw what he did in the tournament, and I, I just, I think that he's going to be the centerpiece of that franchise. And, and Mike Conley is moving to a Utah team that has another star, Donovan Mitchell, that's you know trying to ascend in the Western Conference. But I think that the Grizzlies, they're like, this is this is our plan. We're going to start all over again, and John Morant's going to be our centerpiece. Okay. Uh, the Knicks have the third pick as we're talking in advance of the draft. Again, you may be hearing this later in the day and have found out they've traded it. You may be hearing this after the draft on Thursday night, and you know what they did or didn't do. Kevin and I don't know that. The belief is they want R.J. Barrett from Duke. But I also know if there's a way the Knicks can screw it up, they will somehow, some way. I guess, A, do you think the Knicks hang on to the pick? And B, do you think it's Barrett or some other swerve crazy pick that they will make at three? Speculate. No, it's, I, I got to believe it's R.J. Barrett. It seems that way. It seems like it's going in that direction. And, you know, I, I made the comment before the, the last segment that, you know, it doesn't matter where you pick, but, you know, you just got to pick the right guy. But for the Knicks, if they – let's just say traded down and got two picks. I don't, that, I don't know if, it, if, if that really is that smart of a move, considering you know the Knicks are so desperate and they haven't really picked well, that if R.J. Barrett is kind of a slam-dunk pick, just take him and be done with it. And, and you know, hope that you get Durant in the, you know, either this offseason. He could still go to the Knicks. Like, that's not a crazy thing. Right. Even though he's hurt, that means he's going to play. It just means he can still go there. But if R.J. Barrett is... You know, when people talked about maybe he was a top pick going into last year, last college basketball season, if that's the guy, then don't don't screw around. Just take him and be done with it. So I, I think the Knicks will probably settle on him. After that, I don't know what's going to happen, but I think the top three are pretty much set in stone. Well, and again, Atlanta, as we were talking about with Deshaun, has the 8th, the 10th, and the 17th picks, and they desperately want to move up into the top five, if not into that three spot, if they can get there. Who knows if they sweeten the deal as the de- as the day goes on. And look, th- this thing can always turn into a circus. I mean, the Cleveland Cavaliers picking Anthony Bennett with a number one overall pick, and we've seen some others. Uh, Michael Olawakandi, the Candyman, coming in as a number one pick by the L.A. Clippers. 
We've seen some number two picks. I'm going to put a smile on your face, Kevin Rogers, from Sam Bowie to Sean Bradley to Darko Milicic to Hashim Tabit. There have been some real award-winning second overall picks, too. So anything can happen at the top of this draft where teams have the buffet of players in front of them and still find a way to screw it up. And, and I'm with you. Let's see. Start start looking around 10, 12, 15, because that's where Giannis was picked. That's where uh, uh, Clay Thompson was picked in the middle of a first round. Tony Parker and Manu Ginobili were at the bottom of the first round. You never know. So was Kawhi Leonard later on in the draft. So you never know where you're going to find some star players in this whole process. All right, so we've come to the end of another Three Dog Thursday. Kevin, as I mentioned, we've got Women's World Cup soccer at the time that we're taping two. Uh, We'll see what the women do with Sweden after all the controversy about scoring all the goals against Thailand and what if goal differential matters. They play Sweden on Thursday. We already know they're going to advance to the knockout round, the round of 16 where it's single elimination. My my household, my 11-year-old twin girls are into it. Let's see what the Women's World Cup team does in, uh, in France. And I know you guys are covering all of it, uh, whatever's still going on, baseball, et cetera, at Vegas Insider, right? Absolutely. Major League Baseball continues, WNBA rolling on. CFL Week 2, TJ, <laughs> keep your eye out. Week 2 of the CFL starts on Thursday, <laughs> and uh, we got that. So, yeah, we're just we're, we're trying to, like everyone else, you know, get towards football season, but obviously still things going on, even if you're not, you know, a huge fan of baseball or those other sports, they're still there for you. You know, if you want to, you know, look at, at games you maybe want to wager on. So check them out, VegasInsider.com, TwitVI, I'm VI Rogers. If you want to rip me for Max Scherzer, it's fine, whatever. It's not, not like a, <laughs> but if you're going to do it, have a funny meme, okay? Like, I, I, you don't need to, like, tell me what you think. Just do it in a meme. And I then like that. I like that. Uh, find those. Again, he's at V.I. Rogers. Follow this show at Three Dog Thursday. Love having Kevin be able to sound off. Thank you, sir. As always, have a great weekend. All right, you too. Thank you. There is Kevin Rogers. My thanks also to Deshaun Tate of 92.9 The Game, the FM sports station in Atlanta, talking NBA draft. We'll come back next week with more fun, more off-season hilarity on the only digital radio show devoted exclusively to underdogs. Even in the summertime, it is Three Dog Thursday. Bye.